Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back. You are listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. And before I introduce my esteemed guest today, I'm going to start with the message of the day, which is a philosophical question. Don't worry, you don't have to answer it. Just trying to get the wheels turning. If a tree falls in an empty forest, does it make a sound? Obviously, air pressure is put in motion if there's somebody there. You would hope they would hear it. The air pressure moves anyways. But it's also, uh, there's a flip side to that coin where are you listening? And what are we listening to? You might be there. You might not hear it. Maybe you're distracted. Sound catches people's attention in certain packages, which leads us to our guest today, Danny Lapidus, performer extraordinaire and recording engineer. Few words about Danny here. He began playing the clarinet and sax at the age of nine. He attended the High School of Music and Art here in New York, where he studied classical and jazz performance and theory. After college, he continued to perform professionally and began studying engineering, production, arranging, and composition. As an engineer, mixer, master, he produced work with the likes of Corey Glover, Oz Noy, Mike Stern, B.B. Winans, and many others. He has composed, arranged, scored, and produced music for film and television with clients ranging from A&E, Lifetime, Oxygen Network, J.P. Morgan & Chase, and Verizon Wireless. As a songwriter, Danny has co-written with songwriting legend John DeNicola, I Had the Time of My Life and Hungry Eyes. As a musical performer, Danny has toured the U.S. with his multicultural music group, Hot Peas and Butter. As a lead singer, saxophone, and guitar player, he has also composed, produced, mixed, mastered, and performed all of the hot peas and butters albums. Welcome, Danny. <laughs> Hi, how the hell are you, Danny? I'm great, Jeremiah. Awesome. Good to be here, Glad man. Glad to have you here. So, you're a Brooklyn native. Yes. Where are you from? Um, Flatbush. Flatbush. We call it Flatbush. What do What do they call it now? Man. What are the hipsters? Call I it mean, now? what do the real estate agents call it now? Fisk Terrace, Ditmas Park. Wait, I don't know. What, what was Flatbush? What was the first one? Fisk Terrace. Fisk Terrace. That's a new one for me. Was yeah, that, that's. It's like a half a block. Yeah, with like yes. two new restaurants. And in the it. people just over get pissed off and they all fight each other. That one's called Midwood Terrace, I think. Midwood Terrace. All right. <laughs> Gotta love creativity, right? Yes. Um, so that, that tree falls in the woods. That, that's a good, I like that quote. You might have to roll off some of the low end on that tree. <laughs> it depends on what you want your listeners to hear, right? <laughs> exactly. So uh, tell us about Flatbush growing up. What was it like for you? It was great. It was great. Um, it was, uh, first we were over by um, a part of Flatbush that was uh, close to Brooklyn College. and Beautiful area. Yeah. And growing up then, I, you know, I don't want to sound like the old guy saying, oh, it was so much better than the educational system. But Dan, he's, <laughs> he's older than he looks. <laughs> Way older. Um, even in elementary school, I had a, a music program in the school, in the public school, with a Russian clarinetist composer teaching us. And, uh, and he took a liking to me and, and I started on clarinet. So even in elementary school, great music. And on Saturdays, I would walk over to Brooklyn College and take lessons and, and a theory class and movement classes. It was, it was a vibrant, it was a great neighborhood. And that's kind of the beauty of growing up in New York, right? Yes. It's like you have world-class artists as your neighbor yes. generally. Like the talent pool in Wizard Terrace is like, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like I always say, if we put an all-star band together, oh, yeah. like a big band with just the people that are there, it, it would just, it would, it would crush it. It would be yeah. amazing. Yes. My, so those people who are teaching at the local schools and, exactly. you know, community music academies and such. Right. And it's a great resource. It's outstanding. Yes. I, I didn't have that growing up, being a non-native New Yorker. You found your way. Found my way. Yeah. <laughs> Followed the smell of hot dogs. <laughs> Right, my building alone right now in Windsor Terrace is, I mean, there's got to be 20 top-notch musicians. Like, I don't doubt it at it's all. amazing. Yeah, that's great. Um, so do you, do, you have a, do you have a musical family? Was there anybody else in your family involved in music? That, that was the case with me. My mom's a church and classical pianist right. and an oh. elementary school music teacher. So that was, that was the hook for me. It was always around. Mm. I didn't necessarily, you know, she didn't like, teach me piano or anything, but it was just always around, right. always going to things for her. Was, was it something similar for you? Yeah, my father um, is a really great guitar player, flat-picking styles, uh, um, and always 
I, he, I we were always listening to Doc Watson and all these uh, all these bluegrass and and blues stuff, and and he was a fantastic player with immense stage fright. So he he probably could have gone. I mean, I don't know what does it mean to go pro, but um, he's a great player, and and very good singer, um, but did not like performing. Um, but he yeah he he gave us our world of music. I mean, we were listening to everything, and the main thing that him and my mother, who who also played classical guitar, um, they were just you know beyond supportive. So yeah, I, I mean, I, when I auditioned for high school for music and art. I mean, they didn't, they didn't know if I was going to, I was nervous and everything, but they, they would just, they, they found everything for me. They found all the people that would be great for me. And so, yeah, so there, there is that history with him. That's fantastic. Cause you can't do it alone. Right. You have to have that support. Right. So tell us a little bit about, uh, the high school of music and art. What was that like? Where's the school located again? I um, knew it won't it's, uh, it's, it's behind Lincoln center on 63rd street. Tough neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they originally were two different schools, uh, performing arts and music and art. Performing arts was in, in, in on 42nd Street, I think, and music and art was way uptown. And I didn't go to that building. I was When they merged, that's when I first started going. But mm-hmm. it was great. I mean, I preferred it to college. I, mean, yeah. I know a lot of people around the country like hated their high school experience. For me, college, I look back, I'm like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I think music I and art was amazing. I probably would have got done on that. I mean, I went to college for music, right? But I dropped out at two high schools. So <laughs> really? The, yeah, I had the opposite experience. But it's because we had no. I did not know that, Jeremiah. We, yeah, a few people didn't. They were like, <laughs> people listening to the first show. They were like, just when you think you know somebody, I was like, what? What did wow. they were like? You're a musician. I was like, the rock and roll hair didn't <laughs> give it. I'm like, I spent so much time. On my rock and roll. Well, appearance. you must have completed high school to get to college, right? I, I got my GD. Wow. I dropped I dropped out of two high schools. Got my GD when I was like twenty years old. I was wow. running a band. I was running a like a hardworking uh, roots reggae band. Wow. Um, we we talked about this on the first show with Sam. Uh, sat for my SATs, cold off the street the uh-huh. same year, and got into a four year university. Wow. Uh, as a music performance major, because I had you know I had the experience, and right. it's it's really interesting as far as that goes, and and you could probably chime in on this because, you know you you have all these options when it comes to education at school, so it's like you want to be a musician, is it really necessary to go to school for music? It's a great question, yeah. You know, there's it's I talk about it all the time with restaurants because I've been in the restaurant industry for so long, and people are like, oh. Little Johnny is really interested in cooking. He's almost 18. Right. He wants to go to culinary school. And I'm right. like, has he ever worked in a restaurant? Right. And they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, he needs to spend two years at a restaurant first to know. And, and the Culinary Institute, just upstate here, I worked for a number of guys uh, that, that were chefs from there. And back in the day, like in the 90s, you had to have two years experience in a restaurant before even getting accepted to the That's school. Great. They, That's smart. They wouldn't even let you in. And now they eliminated that. I'm sure oh, they're like, we yeah. need that money. And right. These kids, they, they, their families have got it. But I think music's very similar where yeah. I don't feel like I, it was a waste of my money or a waste of my time. It was kind of an incubator for me. It was, it was something necessary I think I needed to do. But really, it's the same idea where oh, yeah. I was already out working, managing a band. And I think that was maybe enticing to the university. We're like, this is a kid. He's, he's less trained and you know academically yeah. challenged. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't care. Um, but it's very similar. I mean, I, yeah. you know, they say, uh, they say, I say a gig <laughs> is worth 20 rehearsals. Who's they? Who's they? <laughs> they always say stuff. There's the so same it's, people it's listening a, to the trees. Right. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's the practical, you know, putting it into practice and, and, it, you know, you play, you play five gigs in a row. You're better than if you rehearsed a hundred times. Right. And, and, and I actually got scared. Um, I did very well in high school. But I, I auditioned for all these conservatories, but I, for some reason, got scared and said, I need to get a liberal arts education, and, and look what good it did me, you know. And where did you go to school? Where'd I went to uh, SUNY Binghamton, or Binghamton, oh. Binghamton University, they call it. Not yeah, yeah, no, I'm familiar with it. Right. And, and you just, it wasn't necessarily music, it was just a liberal arts degree. I got in, the music helped me get in, and slowly I drifted from all my horn playing. I didn't love the jazz band there. Mm-hmm. I was in the orchestra and the symphony, and I was playing, I was learning piano, and... But I ended up uh, just songwriting and, and stepping out and playing rock and roll and playing in clubs. And, and I was playing the horn in like rock bands. But I, yeah, the, the formality of it went away for me. 
And and as far as your experience in recording, would you say that you think that it's necessary to get a degree? You know, there's all I That's remember good. growing up, there were all these like commercials for yeah. like uh, twelve week courses, yeah. and recording engineering to get you, you know, ready for right for the big time. You know, it was kind of a I, I would I would not say super super cheap. Right. You know? I would not say it's necessary. In fact, uh, it's on University Place. I think it's SAE. Uh, it's it's one of the audio. Yeah, the school. They the teacher there. They had amazing equipment, and he would bring me in with my band, let us play and record for free, just so the kids could like work on these yeah, uh, on these yeah. big format consoles. Mm-hmm. Kids didn't care about any of that. They wanted to make beats. <laughs> So it was kind of like a, it felt like a strange, you know, and, and we walked out with amazing multi-tracks. And, right, you know, right. But I, I think the schooling is, uh, that particular school is pretty amazing. I think they're still going strong. I think it's helpful, but now also you got YouTube as your school. I mean, you right. can, if, it's a dangerous mix, you know, you, you, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to get too corny with it. Man, but get corny. If you, you know, if you learn the principles of any art, before you break the rules, right? So, I mean, you know, you don't want to play sure. out before you can play in. And, you know, if, if you're watching YouTube videos, learning how to mix an album, and you say, like, I can put an equalizer after a compressor or before it, whatever I feel. Like, it's good to know why you're doing that. And, um, and so I, I had an interesting experience where, like, in my apartment, I had this, this, I was producing this artist, this girl, and her mother was paying, they had a lot of, like a lot of money, they it's a weird story. They Hawaiian chocolates, macadamia. There was big money in the family, and, <laughs> and they were not coming. Being biased. They were coming to the uh, to the apartment, and I and when they left, I would bring in this amazing engineer to my little crazy apartment, um, and throw him an extra forty or fifty bucks an hour to teach me what I was. <laughs> and I did it for a year like that, <laughs> you know. And and they would always be like, "Oh, the work is good." And, this guy would come in and save me. And he was real, like, real by the book. So he taught me all the rules. So I never really had a formal audio engineering. Right. I, that was it. Right. And, so that's the point. Like, you didn't, but you had this amazing studio in Midtown. Right. And. Well, after that, yeah. Yeah. But, but it, that led up to it, especially these days when you're dealing with the, the crazy, you know, uh, rates people are charging for tuition. Yes, right. You know, right. to go study sound engineering sorry yeah. all the universities out there listening i think it is worth coming think, after you <laughs> it's definitely worth something it's worth a lot i just you have to get on the ground train you have to just right. do it right yeah and these days though a lot of people are breaking the rules like yeah. what you were talking about yeah. earlier and and some of them are 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 being successful as kind of market disruptors just by coming in starting out breaking the rules and not oh, man we could spend the rest of the right. hour talking about that yeah oh, we have so much other Great stuff to talk about. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna take a break here in a moment. Okay. But I mentioned uh, Danny had this amazing studio, state of the art studio on Thirtieth Street in the what was called the just the music building. Yeah. That's what I always knew of it as. Uh, the studio was there. Ultrasound, a, a number of other uh, studios that I yep. spent tons of time at over the last twenty years or so. Yeah. Uh, and I had the pleasure over the last. It's been a few years, but over the last few years, doing some recording uh, with my own one of my own bands, Third Space. Jeremiah is a killing drummer, killing drummer. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm a better talker. <laughs> um, but uh, you should hear me beatbox. Um, <laughs> the next recording. When we come back from the break. When we come back, <laughs> well, actually, when we come back, you'll you'll hear a little a little sample of some of the stuff my my band nice. did at uh, at Danny's studio. Don't pay attention to the drums. Just listen to the sound quality. That's really that's really the the, the takeaway from that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how Danny got his feet wet in uh, in the recording industry. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web, your host Jeremiah Fox. See you soon. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. 
Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We're back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, Danny Lapidus. Hello. Recording engineer. You were just listening to a little clip from uh, some music I recorded at his studio here in Midtown, Pod Noise, several years ago. Uh, Yeah, I'm just a Southern blues boy (laughs) at heart. (laughs) It's actually, I grew up in in Nashville and then moved to Virginia, to Norfolk and Virginia Beach, Virginia. And, and it was, there was a lot of blues. Oh, yeah. uh, so I was playing, you know, like just blues gigs, like open mics and stuff as a kid, you know, wow. really young. And my dad was into <coughs> classic rock big right. time. And so that was always on. Right. And I would imitate that. I would play like entire Led Zeppelin albums, mm. you know, in my bedroom uh, as a kid when, I, you know, just a drum set and, and like wow. with a tape, wow. <laughs> you know, turn the tape deck all the way up and play wow. along with it. So yeah, that, uh, the, the theme of that album, by the way, is, it's called Blues in Space. Yeah. Because we're third space. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot more on that later. Back to Danny and uh, his story. Uh, so we were talking earlier about Danny's beginnings in music, uh, studying in high school, performing in college, but not necessarily following the recording engineer music degree, just right. getting a general liberal arts degree. Right. And then you hit the streets Right. And you got into recording. What did that look like? How did that, how were your, like you, you started meager from the stories you told me, but then you built up to like some really amazing stuff. Yes. How did that all get started for you? Well, um, I was playing gigs. I was, I had my own band. I was playing out and I was playing sax, um, playing saxophone in clubs and stuff. And I met my partner to be Rich Mercurio, who, you know, one of the finest drummers in town. And um, and and so we were just we were we were good friends and we were playing together a lot. And I got um, really lucky that another friend of mine had a um, a prop shop, and they had props everywhere, like twenty thousand square feet on uh, West Twenty Sixth, West Twenty Sixth, almost all the way on Twelfth, um, the Starrett Lehigh Building. I think no, no, I forgot the name of the building, but um, huge space. And he let me squat in there and soundproof it up and get a little under the radar studio going. Rich jumped in with me there and I was producing my own albums pretty primarily. Um, and then Rich started bringing in better equipment and a better class of people. <laughs> so <laughs> better clients. What was your, what was the kind of music you were, you were producing your own stuff? What were you, in- what were you making and what was the intention behind okay. it? I had two things going in my life musically at that time that were the main things besides playing little gigs here and there. One was playing, you know, to empty, depressing bars at night on Bleecker Street, my depressing rock and roll, (laughs) you know, and singing singing about, you know, singing like poetic. Singing about drinking. (laughs) You know, no, more more like poetic uh, imagery that people may not have related to. But there, there was definitely drinking. It was, it was, it was a great band. Tell you the truth, I mean, I had really great players in it, um, and it, it, it was called, it was called Daruma Shakes, and, um, and I was doing that at night, and I was playing kids' music during the day, which is where the money's at. It's also the better 
audience. Yeah. They're much happier. They, they you know, you don't, then they might cry, but it's not, you know, it's not like a, uh, an empty bar. Tear, tears of joy. Right. So, so I was, I was creating all the albums for the kids thing, which is hot peas and butter, like you said. Um, so this is the beginning of that. Hot peas was first. Yeah. Before okay. the recording. I mean, it, uh, hot peas existed. That's a whole story. So well, why don't you tell us, elaborate about okay. Hot Peas and Butter, because this is, part of, okay. this is part of your hustle, and this is, yes. this, one leads to the other. So tell, well, give there, us the background on Hot Peas and Butter. There's another Brooklynite named Professor Louie who uh, played kid, music to kids and families for like 40 years, and I started following him with my sax and learning his repertoire. He's like a second father to me. And um, he handed me his repertoire, which is a lot of public domain mm-hmm. stuff like you know folk music and but a lot and and then me and my partner latinized it he uh, he's a, a great bass player uh, francisco cato um and we did a whole like spanish uh, bomba plena is like puerto rican mountain right. music we mm-hmm. we created a whole sound and we started playing concerts out of nowhere like we played one of the first things we did was we got called to play in a, a school with special ed uh, uh, special and regular ed um classes in the Bronx and we we didn't have a set together so much but we just played and one of the teachers came up to us afterwards and, and said one of the girls who never speaks um started clapping and and dancing that's fantastic and we both like I mean I think Frank like teared up like we, yeah. ju- we just we it really meant a lot and he said to me we should uh we should name this thing and make records so that was way before all of this. I mean, I was playing. I was just thought I was a rock and roll guy, and and uh, p- trying to play jazz sax. And, I still think I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are, man. You are. <laughs> but so uh, so that was the germination, and we created hot peas and butter, and um, now we're going on. Our, we just we just released our eighth album called Back to the Land. Awesome. Um, and I have produced, mixed, mastered. No, I'm sorry, I didn't master all of them. I, I've mixed and recorded all of them, um, and now I master them all. And this one had Dan Zanes and Peter Yarrow and Laurie Berkner and, and all these amazing players on it. Um, so I'm really proud of that. So that was happening while I was getting gigs in my apartment and just enough money to buy a great mic and a, maybe one mic pre and work <laughs> on cans, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so that was okay. So that's one side, and the other side was making these records for my, you know, which I thought were going to be big hits, and shopping myself as an artist. Right. Um, but that trip going down the room of shakes, and it was earlier called the Path. I met Oz Noy, Rich Mercurio, uh, all these great players, Robert Rodriguez, uh, all these amazing musicians, who led me circuitously to recording because. Um, Rich, I didn't know, was so interested in recording. He was on the Upper West Side. When I found the space on 34th, he joined me. And next thing I know, he's bringing in, like, I mean, real, real artists. And you said some, some extra gear to... to, he, to yes. Have. I was like, why don't you... You know, I, 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 he wanted to pay the rent a little bit with me. I was like, no, just, just hang out. See. So he just... He, really, he started soundproofing it better, and he brought in, like... The first couple of Neves and the first, you know, he, he just he brought in the Pro Tools rig. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went far and above. Yeah, yeah. And within like a year, I was like, just let's just be 50 50 on everything. And then that that Hudson Yards killed that building. They didn't even know we were there because we were in a, we were, <laughs> we were like the best way to do it. We said, maybe we could fight this. And they were like, they don't even know you're here. Yeah. You're, you're out. So we ran to the next space, which, um, Ended up being 251 West 30th, which was a great existence for eight years. Yeah. Um, and there we brought in our, our third partner, Lee Nadell, who's a bass player. You may know him from uh, the musical Waitress. And he's just a great, great musician. Um, and we got a lot more gear and then real artists, you know, Sarah Bareilles comes in. And, yeah, give and us, I mean, I've, I used to see the pictures, yeah, like crazy. your Facebook posts, and I'd be like, what? Yeah. And it was great because it was like right around the time I recorded there. And yeah. I'm like, I, like, I just miss yeah. these people. So give us, give us who, who were like some of the top people in your oh, opinion man. that were, you were just like, oh man, this was amazing. Well, oh man. Well, drummers, Keith Carlock, do you know who that is? No, I he's, don't. he's, 
He's probably my favorite drummer that ever came through the doors. Um, I oh, thought I was. Yeah, well, I mean, second favorite <laughs> drummer, Keith Carlock. He, he plays with uh, Steely Dan and and, oh, uh, wow. and yeah. uh, I'm not. He does a lot of regular uh, gigs on that level, like Sting mm-hmm. and stuff. And and I remember wa- him recording and and me not being able to to like work because I was just <laughs> falling and like looking through the window like yeah. so entranced. But I would say I would say uh, I was always nervous when they were really big. Yeah. But BB Winans, mm-hmm. I remember that he came in and sang, and it was ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's one, these are the learning experiences as a musician where you're like, if if someone can sing like that, all you do is put a microphone close to them and let them go, and it can't go like right. it cannot go wrong. And uh, and he's an intimidating figure. So that was the greatest. Uh, and what what's interesting is like he's there. I never would have said, hey, BB, can I work with you on something else? I would never have been that bold. Right. But within a year, um, we got him to sing a song that we wrote. Me and John DeNicola, who is like a huge songwriter. And I was starting to like move and shake a little. I was starting to like take risks. Yeah. And when he said, yeah, I couldn't believe he said yes. And he did it. So. Anyway, so Sarah Bareilles, obviously the big, you know, biggest, and Warren Haynes came in, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it was freaky. I mean, he's playing a guitar solo right behind me, and then I had to edit a little bit, and he he dug it. He was like, he was like, oh, you, you, why don't you do? That? He helped me like mix it a little bit, and I was like, this is Warren Haynes, um, you know, one of the finest g- guitar players in the world, and um, so yeah, so Warren Haynes. Uh, Jonathan Dinklage and the and the string section from Hamilton came in and uh, Jonathan Dinklage, who by the way is Peter Dinklage's brother, isn't that wild? And and if uh, again, who would have been bold enough to say, "Hey, Jonathan, can you get me tickets?" But I got yeah. into I saw Hamilton through this guy, you know. It's well, like, I mean, uh, it's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You <laughs> ask somebody and they're like, "No, right." You know? Well, that's that's what I'm learning. And and as you know, somebody who sets out on their yeah. own path, it's, yes. it's all about risks, right? I mean, your yeah. whole your whole life leading up to that point is right. risks. And sure, you don't want to be. It's almost like not. You not want to be overt. It's but. not like the. I don't really think it's luck. It, it's definitely timing, right place, right time. But it's like yeah. being having your energy, like being in the middle of it, and being open to it. I mean, you know, Catherine McPhee. Mm-hmm. Was we? I only recorded her. Next thing I know, I'm mixing some things because they they just felt like let's just get this guy to do it. Yeah, and I think I gave a good vibe, so they would. Well, that, that's you know. a huge part of it. I mean, if you're if you're a business owner or you're providing a service, yeah. and you got that good feeling, which I've always gotten yeah. from you. That that goes a tremendous. That's oh, huge. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, that offers so much value. Um, there was something I was going to say. It totally escaped well, me. We, we were, more oh, names. So, I could, I could yeah, drop we, more names. We were talking. <laughs> <laughs> enough about you, Dan. <laughs> um, you know, one of the, you, you said something about luck. I remember what I was yeah. going to say. You said something about luck. And, and I've been thinking about luck or fortune a lot lately. And I heard this quote, and they said, luck or fortune is the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Yeah. So like your preparation for all this was yeah. like all your experience. Oh, I got something I want to say. Oh, go yeah. for it. Go, go, go. Well, well. As a musician, you're expected to be able to kill the music. You're already expected to be a, yeah. an amazing player. You have to have a good product. You're not getting yeah. a Broadway pit position if you can't right. read like a month. You know? Right, exactly. So that's a given. Okay, you can curse. You can say it back. I don't, I, I'm sorry. I'm a children's musician, too, so I can't. <laughs> got to have but, a, you know, a you, reputation to maintain. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you've got to be great, I'm sure, in any field right? that we're talking about as being an entrepreneur. But that's like 10% of getting the gig. Sure. So you got to... Be in New York City a great musician, and it's got to be without even saying it. If you show up, you don't have the goods. Of course, you don't get it. But right. that was the other thing. So the pre- that's what I thought of when you just said preparation. Yeah. That's practice, practice, practice. It's all, your, it's all your experience. But that yeah, that's just like the small part of it. But then you've got this opportunity. This yes. opportunity crosses in front of you. You have the preparation. You've done the work. And in your mind, you're like, how do you grab do it? I do this? Yes. Do I take this opportunity? Right. And then the other thing I've heard a lot lately that that I, I struggle with is don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes, like if you want Hamilton's tickets and this person is part huge. of the, the organization, like 
don't be afraid. Like, I definitely get like, no, man, I'm not asking that person. I got to do this all on my own, which is ridiculous. And more than just favor, it's more like how to get better at what you do. Oh, just any don't of be, it. You any cannot of it. be afraid yeah. to ask. But when the opportunity comes, like, do you grab it? And if it seems like out of your realm of expertise, do you grab it? Do you say yes to the gig? And, and that, you, have you, you have to. Yeah. Well, look at you, man. You uh, say yes uh, to you, I and you're yes killing to too much. <laughs> All right. So when we come back, we're going to take a short break. We're going to hear a little bit more of uh, the music Danny recorded <laughs> that I just happened to be there that day. Of, uh, but also, we're going to talk about you know what happened to Pod Noise, what happened in that building, Aww. and some of the crazy. I mean, talk about the intersection of opportunity and preparation. Right. How Sometimes you, you just can't be prepared enough. You have mm. no idea New York City. What, what's coming your way. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Woo-hoo. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Yes, we're back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. A little bit more blues from my album. I started on ten years ago. Mm. Still haven't finished we it. We gotta finish it's it. Called man. Blues in Space. We will. It's <laughs> almost done. It's just. And and we'll, before we go on to what we were going to talk about, we, I think we should continue what we were talking about on the yeah. break. And it's yeah. it's uh, it's it's taking those opportunities and just saying yes and all yeah. the crazy stuff. I keep saying yes to so many things. I've done so many things yeah. since I started that yeah. album, and even since. My last session at your place, I mean, I've opened two food markets, a coffee shop, a restaurant. I've I began a journey in martial arts training and now I'm teaching there and working towards black belt. I started a radio show. I've recorded other people's. It's just so many. I've had two children since I started that album. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> and I have more. <laughs> Hopefully no no extra ones. Oh boy. Um but but yeah. we were just talking about yeah. taking risks and saying yes. Yeah. And 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 knowing this might not work out like yeah. this you were talking why don't you digress a little further you were talking about this offer from lifetime that you just got yeah i mean like right now i think of three things that i am i'm 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 three different businesses i'm hot peas and butter hotpeasandbutter.com <laughs> i'm i'm pod noise podnoise.com but it, that's going to cha- we're 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 that's a whole. I'm going to announce something at the end, but yeah, well, and I'm DannyLapidus.com, right? Uh, um, and and they all intersect, but I am now playing a lot of piano, 
composing TV and film music, producing artists. This one, watch out for Charles Meyer. This kid is bad. Nice. Really good. Is um, that charlesmeyer.com? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know yet. We had, but, I mean, he's, he's great. He's the real deal. Um, uh, and, and what we were talking about on the break is that I don't know if I would have been too scared to do some of these things. You have to have the ability. Right. Which we and, were talking about before. Like, right. But that's only, that's literally 10%. That's just that's like, right. you have to come to the table with the goods. If you don't yeah. have that, forget about it. It's just inevitable failure. Right. So these three things that I am now, and look, no one's getting rich doing right. this stuff. You know, I'm, right. it's not, uh, you know, not that I'm a huge success, but you, I, you I'm, should start a radio show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big money, big money. Um, no, but, but that, that the idea that you're confident in yourself and you feel like, okay, I can knock on another door yeah. only comes when you, when you feel like, okay, I've got the goods and, and now I've, I've handed something in at the first 20 got rejected, you know, first 200. And now somebody likes something I did and my skin is a little tougher mm. and, uh, and I can go for it. And so, yeah, the TV stuff, I mean, there's a company that, that does library music, uh, Strike Audio. They dug some of my stuff, and, and I've been writing with my partners, and we've been doing a, a lot of writing. So you just do, you've done some catalog stuff where you're yeah. just, like, kicking out yes. beats, and, yeah. and then, you submit it to catalog. And but suddenly someone up. sends you a movie to right. score, and I'm working the picture. And, and the last one, I did an indie film about Brooklyn, Syrian Jews in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. really interesting movie. And um, I didn't write the score. Uh, amazing musician did, but I, I mixed the whole uh, the whole movie. And it, it's just a, it's an area that I didn't know. Like you know, am I working the frames? You know, the frame the, the right. video frames and all the all the stuff I'm doing. And I could have fallen. I, I have fallen on my face, but now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm good at these ten things three of them i'm really good at one of them i think i can kill some people at but the rest you know i'm like you know and i say yes and i take it and and so you were saying luck and but you know or it's really like it's almost like it creates the opportunities by getting better at these things so whatever you're but you know if you if you own a a a bodega on the corner like there's got to be a way where that applies to that logic too like where now i know how to do this opening a restaurant jesus I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I do not. We need like three shows for that. That least. seems scarier to me than music, it, frankly. It like it kind of sucks, but at the same time, when you love it, yeah, it doesn't matter. You yeah. know, you take the suck. It's just like. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say too. Like you know, you go on vacation. You're never really on vacation. You're an right. entrepreneur. You're always thinking about your business. However, you're learning into your hopefully 80s hopefully, you definitely. know like i i'm i'm getting better now at mixing records i just mixed something and i was like oh this is real and dave darlington one of the finest guys in town was like oh your mix is great and we're buddies we're hanging out i'm like oh i'm hanging out with dave Darling. right and then i learned that i'm doing something i could i could be doing better and new technology comes out and it's always fun right scary and yeah. fun <laughs> but it's beautiful it's yeah. beautiful yes um i was telling sam on the way in i heard there was like a guy directing traffic on the street and this lady like office type walking down the block and they knew each other. Wow. And they were like, we're almost there. Like they were talking about Friday, you know, it was obviously <laughs> right, like, right, and, right, I, and I just right. laughed and right. I was like, there is Those no Friday. Are, that's right. And I don't want a Friday. Like if that's what you're working for, like that's right. that really sucks. Right. It's yeah. like, I love every day to get up and yes. open up the books on everything and yes. just be like, what, what are we hitting at today? And some days it's all of it. Some yes. days it's restaurant, martial arts, wow. music, just all of it, all wow. in one day. Right, it's fantastic. I love it. You know, we got to be organized, though, right? I you mean, you have to really, have you have to have some sense of organization. Yeah, which I I I lacked. I've early. said it. I said it before. My sock drawer looks really nice. <laughs> you, you, like, you mentioned that. Though. Yeah, that, it's that's important. You got to have a good sock drawer. Right. Um, but uh, you know, we were talking about failure and oh, and and taking those risks. And and another friend of mine who's a business owner and really like a, a huge Tony Robbins fan mm. and, and just always talking about digging deeper. Yeah, a super interesting guy. And I, I was totally you know skeeved out by all that stuff previously, yeah. but lately I've just heard the the right messages yeah. from it, and I'm like, nah, there's there's some value there. Yeah. But we were just kind of talking about like what CEO hasn't had like major failure oh, before God. you know like yeah. these these are guys like guys that are at the top of their company that are on these the big these big major companies like yeah. they must have just like i mean my failures have been 
pretty small. Like nobody will remember them, you know, but some of these guys, it's like in the media, right, you know, right. like complete, they've got right, like, very public. Yeah. Yeah. And they bounce back with like millions and bazillions of dollars and like right. might've been small. So it's like, it's par for the course, you know, if you're well, going to small, step out and you go, say it's small, but it's all relative. I mean, right. my most embarrassing failures were pretty crappy, you know, at the time. Right. But <laughs> yeah. like right now you're smiling, you know? Yeah. Well, and well, I could, I have a couple of things I'm working on and one of them may fail, you know, right. Somebody might not, as a mix engineer, you're only as good as your last mix. That's right. a big quote. Right. You're only as good as that. So you can be Tony Maserati. I guess he's, he's not going to fail anytime <laughs> soon, but he's also a badass. So, but you, you know, it, they'd still do blind shootouts. Some of these top tier artists, yeah. pop stars, They'll send it to 10 different mixers. Mm-hmm. They don't know that, that Tony's not one of them. Right. And you're only as good as that last mix. Right. So you can, you're always going to fail. And I think, I think that idea of not being crushed by failure, you should not yeah. be an entrepreneur if you cannot deal with rejection and failure and get really gonna, comfortable with happen. it almost. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly. part of your life. It's got to be part of your there's existence. A, there's a constant saying in martial arts and jujitsu, it's mm. get comfortable being uncomfortable because right. no matter how good you are and how much technique you have, there right. will come a point where some big sweaty guy is yeah. going to be on top of you. <laughs> And like all your all your go to's aren't going to work and his sweat's going to be dripping in your eye and he smells. You'll get out, you know, you'll work it out. But like jujitsu is a great it's a representation of life. It's a reflection of life. It really is. And a reflection of business. There's so many connections between uh, business mantras and martial arts. I I don't know that much about it, but jujitsu, you use Anything you have to, right, to like make the thing happen. Well, it's not Krav Maga. We're not right. Like, that's all right. That's Krav Maga. <laughs> no eye gouges or or oh, groin right, strikes. Right. Uh, it's but more, like when they way back in the day when they used geese and they would choke oh, people. Oh man, with geese they, and, I mean, in the even in the eighteen hundreds, it was treachery. There was weapons, but yeah, you use you use lapels, you use sleeves to choke. I um, mentioned it just because that metaphor for like you know you do what's necessary to get yeah. the, to get to wriggle your way out of something or into something. But also utilizing the path of least resistance. So not always being right. head on and saying, like, I'm insisting on doing it this way. Like that might be uncomfortable. That's Let me chill right. for a minute. Let yes. me buy some time and then adjust. You're adaptable. And see, yeah, yeah be, be That's adaptable. Hard. That's yeah. hard. So you would open this amazing studio, Pod Noise, 251 yeah. 30th Street. Things are going great. You got these major artists. What happened? Well, what happened to New York City, everybody? <laughs> what the hell happened? Uh, some corporate monster bought the building. Disney. Disney's taking over everything. This was probably Google. I don't know. But right. One of the um, it's been a music building for, for 35 years, right. 40 years. Uh, so somebody bought the building <clears throat> and turns it into a real corporate piece of glass. And, um, and actually, they kicked everyone out. And most people I know in that building had horrible clauses. Right. I, I want to shout out to some like ultrasound guys. I mean, people lost their, you know, it was not pretty. And um, uh, uh, we had, that's another thing I'd say, a big quote. Make sure you have a good lawyer in this town. Because, and a good lease, right? If you well, he, a, he made our lease. Right. If you and he stuck in this language. Spot. He got rid of the demo. They had to deal with us till the very end. Good. So at least we good. got some money and, we, yeah. and yeah. it wasn't that painful as it was for, it could have been. It was a bad fight. Right. But we were out. We were kicked out and we were in storage for a year, a year and a half. And then we opened a beautiful mixing room in Brooklyn, which is going strong and, and uh um, there's some pictures on the web, but it's dannylapidus.com. You can see some of the work comes out of there. And now, and when we come back from the break, maybe, I yeah, don't know, yeah. but we, we, we haven't signed anything yet, but uh, bigger yeah, and better. Yeah, save it. Don't. Okay. Cliffhanger. Right. Cliffhanger. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. So basically, the situation with that building was it was bought. It was bought. People, especially musicians, we went to the we new owners. We don't, we don't pay attention to fine print, right? <laughs> so that's like, right. And we, we just, went to the new owners and said, "Can we stay? You know, like yeah. you, you never know. Maybe they want you to stay. Right. We'll pay more. Them. What are you going to double our lease? What are we going? They they didn't even want to talk. Right. Everybody out. Um, and your I remember your lease was kind of short. It uh, was to begin it with. was it was five with an option for three. Right. So we took the, the option, and then that, that was it. And they talked me into the option instead of a 10. 
and they at, at the at the point of renegotiating, right. they, they knew they were selling. Ah, uh, yeah. This, this town has got yeah, no, very ugly. It's all about it's all about that money. So we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we'll we'll get a little deeper into that buildings, leases, okay. and what Danny has coming up next. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. <laughs> Talking alternative radio, twenty four hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. We're back. Woo! Rock and roll. <laughs> You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. That was one of my bands, Third Space. Some fancy floor time work there by yours truly. <laughs> I really like that section. I feel like I really captured it. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It, that room was just fantastic because I've, I've recorded it in a lot of rooms. Those drums, it was Pearl, right? It was yeah. a Pearl kit. Oh, love it. That, that, I, that particular session, yeah. I just felt like I was floating. Oh, you man. know, and that's uh, great. That, that, but it helps. It brings out. Yeah. Your your musicianship yeah. uh, when when you have I mean I played hundreds of venues in New York and and all over the country where you're playing on house kits that yeah. are like terrible right. and you got to bring it anyways you can't you can't right. complain you just got to be like whatever yeah but like when you get that one where you're just like oh everything you touch just yeah. feels so good <laughs> and then you get into that you get in that groove it feels oh, great. great yeah so we were talking about leases and yeah. landlords. Mm. Yeah, it's getting rough in New York. Uh, typically, in the past, you know, you you'd go for like a ten year lease, probably a ten year option. Each party will put in some clauses. Mm. If you had to vacate for whatever reason early, the landlord would be okay, so on and so forth. But you, as a business owner, were somewhat protected. Only small uh, rent increases in terms of percentage annually. They weren't, could, they weren't nothing. They were right. They weren't nothing. But but you could you could survive. And yeah. and you were saying you got a five year lease, which is pretty short for a business. Most businesses it takes them about five years to yeah. to kind of really become buoyant. Right. Um, and then and then you had a three year option, and they 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 tried to talk you out of a ten year lease, right. which would have been better. That's like a good lifespan for a business is ten right. years. Um, and and they well when we took the option, they tried to talk us. No, no. When we took the option, we knew we had an. We could. Uh, they gave us an offer for a ten-year lease, mm-hmm. and somewhere around that time, they were like, you know, if I were you. Oh yeah, so they definitely knew they were. They knew they were. They probably had the building on the market already. Right. And it's funny because it. I, this is something I've developed over time. Is if I've got a commercial lease in a space, I'll look occasionally to see if that building's on the market because some, oh, yeah, sometimes landlords put them up just to see what the going rate is. Right. You know, just like that's, what's, that's, what's my building worth right now? What could I get for it? But sometimes they're actually going to sell it. Right. And I mean, you're in a lease, especially a commercial lease. You have some protections. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got a good landlord, you might not get a good one next. It could be a hassle. And then you have to start thinking about 
you really you know, don't have a lot of protection as a tenant. Yeah, in this town. yeah commercial. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So they kicked. They literally just kicked all, especially all the musicians. There was just tons of music yeah. businesses. Literally every floor had yeah. like a recording studio or rehearsal space. Yes. And they all they all got put out. You moved your operation to Brooklyn. Yeah. How has that location? Because you were central. I remember we were looking yeah. down on Penn, on uh, MSG. We yes. were like above MSG, which is a great place to be. It was, yeah. It's magical. I yes. mean, the whole situation, I just like my memories of it are so fun. Yeah. Uh, how did that move affect who you get in there and and your your revenue and, yeah. and how things come in? Well, you talk, uh, the, it's back to the hustle. The phone rings, you, you take it. <laughs> and we had some good, good friends with other studios. So I was only going to mix in Brooklyn. Next thing I know, I'm tracking vocals and guitars in Brooklyn at my own place. Uh, um, but when we were started recording bands, we would go to um, Whitewater Productions on 19th Street. Mm-hmm. Great place. And we kind of like partnered up with them a bit. And then a few other studios with great pianos. So if B.B. Wine is called, I'm saying yes. And we kept recording. And in a way, it was fun because I was, my partner Rich was on the road for like a year. So it was great time for me to just meet other studio owners, get mm-hmm. my, I used it to my advantage. I, I learned, you know, other people's gear and how to just adapt and roll with it. Right. We were talking about that before. Like yeah. you just, you have to be adaptive. That's you right. can't complain. You can't be like, oh, this sucks. Right. This is uncomfortable. And it's around that time I started like really getting good at mixing, which is taking advantage. You know, I didn't even think about how it was working in a great, chron- chronologically it was perfect, but mixing and and uh and then suddenly being approached to produce more music mm-hmm. and, and get you know and where i could say like all right i'm not paying midtown manhattan rent i can take you on as an artist which can yeah. be uh, i was gonna ask that's about right. that it's like that's okay right. you're, you're out now but that's a huge like that's anytime big, you're yeah. brick and mortar right you got rents you got right. labor that's right if it's a you know retail or service right. industry you you have to often buy product and that's either right. resell that or i mean it's a huge huge expense and, and manhattan i mean you pay you're paying stuff that you don't even pay any you know you go right. to long island city or williamsburg you're not paying the same water and common <laughs> right, fees right. and the the you so know extra security guard all the sam knows look look at his face look at sam's face when we say <laughs> <laughs> let's turn the camera quick well we might be back in the fray because I'm not, we are not, we have not signed anything. Who knows if it's going to fall us, through? Tell us. Well, Rich is back from the road, All right? From playing with Little Steven for like a year now. Nice. Lee is in town, and we are. We've done more research in the past, like four days. Get the, the band back together. That's right. So we're looking at a. We're, I don't want to say where the space is going to be at because I don't know if this one is going to work out. But we found something really great right in town. Amazing location. Already built. Nice. That's a whole it's like a studio soundproofed yeah. and everything because yeah. that's not easy. I soundproofed my easy. place oh, on Prospect Ave. Yeah, and then we had to move the room, yeah. which was crazy. So I had to move the soundproofing. No, we, and we it was like we had a, we couldn't take it with us. The room you loved so much. I mean, that tiny, just that one room yeah. we spent like seventy, oh, eighty grand on just that one yeah, room, yeah. and the rest. And you know, so this. So anyway, so we are back. I mean, the energy is there, and it feels kind of like an interesting time because we're going to pay more rent, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we've got uh, we've got a lot of clients. We didn't drop off the map, so mm-hmm. it it's gonna it's gonna be exciting. And that's the lesson, right? It's like obstacles are going right. to be in the way, right? You can guarantee it. That's so right. instead of having this mentality of like, oh, things should, I built this business. I mean, right. you never you can never disengage. You you constantly have to reengage with your your Adapt. previous and regular customers. You right. You have to constantly engage with potential future customers. Right. You have to constantly engage with your environment. Because it is constantly shifting, shifting, always yes. shifting. Yeah. And I, when I was a kid, I heard this quote, and it was like, "The only thing guaranteed in life is change." Right. And whatever, I was high at the time. I was like, <laughs> it stuck. I was like, I'm not going to right. harp on like what if or it should have. Right. It's like it's this is you're just in the you're right. in the meat grinder That's constantly. Right. So. 
you know, instead of instead of complaining and throwing your arms up and saying, right. especially if you really got the bug, if you're really right. like, this is what I'm going to do. And you yeah. put your time in. There's no backpedaling There's, now, no. right? That's how I feel. I mean, come on. It's the recording studio business in today's day and age. What am I, an idiot? I'm, I'm, what kind of business am I choosing? People are making amazing records in their basement. Right. Logic. Hotel rooms. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to I'm chasing some of these mixes I yeah. hear from kids on mixing on cans. I mean, yeah. there's some talented people. Right. Which there. always you were told not to do. Right. right? Don't mix with That's headphones. Right. Oh, on. And you've got to know the headphones now. Man, I actually love it. I, back yeah. when people were saying don't do it, I was like, I, well, I had to because I was in a little broken. Apartment. I, I, like I like it, too. Man, I got to do it, though. And I would be like, this sounds so good, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's great. Well, so. I, we're in the bass heavy age. Yeah, too. sure. So, so sure. I, and I actually really like it because, you know, I, my mid, my near fields won't even go that low. Yeah. So I have to work on headphones. And, and like everybody listens on. It's like That's right. you're making a, a big movie for HD or right. something like that. And everybody's watching it on their phone. What's right. the point? Right. You know, and the, and the new loudness penalties, which is mm-hmm. a whole other topic where like <laughs> Spotify will turn down your music if you make it too loud. Where? When? Oh, this has been like going on. Like on the train? Do they know you're on the train? You're that <laughs> annoying kid on the train. Like, no, 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 like, no, no, no. I mean, the masters you send in. <laughs> oh, There have been loudness wars for many right. years, and people are hitting like negative sixes on the, it's like horribly loud, mm. compressed music, and they're starting to say, well, they, it's a law now. Now it's a yeah. law. That they, but each, each company, uh, Apple can change it, and then it screws us all up, and Spotify can change it, but the numbers are lower, so you don't have to send in such loud, compressed music that that's horrible to listen to. Is it smaller file sizes too? If it's not so loud, or does no, that, no, no, right. it's still. It, but it's um, it's it's a way of saying like maybe we're heading to a place where there'll be some headroom again. Yeah. It'll sound good again. I'm hoping headroom is good. Yes, we need room for growth. So again, let's recap. Tell okay. us about your projects again. Where we can find information on. Okay. Them. Well, for all my existing clients and any new clients, I'm also starting a, a venture with a company that does video. We're going to be, be offering music videos and B-roll and social media um, support with video to my existing clients and any new clients. So dannylapidus.com uh, is where you can hit me up if you want you know, information on being I'm mixing a record or, or getting me to produce your record or music. Hotpeasandbutter.com if you like family music, multicultural family music, award-winning family music. And just fun. And fun. And uh, podnoise.com, P-O-D-noise.com, and you'll see where this new studio will land. Dope, man. Really excited for it, and maybe we'll actually finish. Yeah, we're going to finish third space. Album. Man. Get those files. I got a new <laughs> setup at home. I need to pop into it. There you go. Well, you don't have enough on your plate. I know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's it for this week, everybody. Again, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Danny Lapidus, my guest today. Tune in Ooh. next week. Lawyer, freak of nature, Sam Himmelstein, yeah. awesome musician as well. His firm basically saved the Chelsea Hotel. He's what? a great storyteller. It's going to be fantastic. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 